Hello everyone and welcome to your Chemistry A-Level Paper 3 Night Before the Exam podcast. My name is Yasmin and I'll be here to run through some bits that might come up and to calm your nerves before your exam. You're almost there, we're going to smash it, let's get to it. So the first thing we're going to look at is electron configuration. So as per the Bohr model of the atom, electrons are arranged in shells. Now these shells are defined by the principal quantum number which is given the symbol n. The lowest energy shell has n equals 1 and other shells have higher energy and higher n. The higher the n of an electron, the further from the nucleus it orbits. So you might be asked, how are electrons arranged in atoms? And you would say, in shells. So for atoms with more than one electron, shells are split into subshells that have slightly different energies. The difference in energy between subshells is much less than the difference in energy between shells. A shell with a given n will have n subshells. Subshells are composed of orbitals. Orbitals in the same subshell have the same energy, and each orbital can hold a maximum of two electrons. Okay? So in the exam you might be asked, what's the principal quantum number of the second electron shell in an atom? And what are you going to say? Two. Orbitals are labelled by letters, okay? So the first three orbitals are called S, P, and D. An S subshell is made of one S orbital, a P subshell is made of three P orbitals, and a D subshell is made of five D orbitals. Orbitals of exactly the same energy are called degenerate. The N equals one shell has one subshell, which is an S subshell. The N equals two shell has two subshells, which are an S subshell and a P subshell. The n equals 3 shell has three subshells, which are an s subshell, a p subshell, and a d subshell. Let's say that five times fast. Okay, so how many subshells will a shell have if n equals 4? 4, that's the answer. n equals 4, 4 subshells. So when orbitals are filled with electrons, they're filled from the lowest energy to the highest energy. So the usual energy order is from s to p to d. However, transition metals are a big anomaly to this rule, okay? They're very important to know. So the 4S subshell in transition metals is actually of a lower energy than the 3D subshell, which means the electrons fill in the order 3S to 3P to 4S to 3D, okay? So in the exam, you might be asked, what are subshells made of? The answer is orbitals. And you may also be asked, what are the three components of an electron configuration? You've got the principal quantum number, you've got the electron occupancy of that subshell, and the subshell itself. Okay? And that's everything you need to know about electron configuration. So next we're going to move on to core organic chemistry naming compounds. Okay? So the stem of the name of the compound is the first part of the name, okay? It's decided by the number of carbon atoms, okay? So one carbon, you'll get meth or meth, two carbons, eth, three carbons, prope, four carbons, but, and five carbons, pent. The end of the name is determined by the functional group in the compound. So, for example, a carboxylic acid, like propanoic acid, the oic acid there is the ending. Alcohols tend to end in ol, so ethanol is an example. Ketones tend to end in on, so propanone. 
whereas aldehydes end in al, so ethanol. Now, the rules of naming compounds has a name, and it's called nomenclature. Okay. Now, we can have some pretty complex molecules in organic chemistry. Most of them, in fact, are quite complex, so they can have multiple functional groups or side chains. The molecule is always named after the longest possible carbon chain. That includes the functional group. Yeah. So the carbons are numbered to give the functional group the lowest possible number. Side chains are written as prefixes to the name, so before. So, for example, if you're given a diagram of a molecule, you might be asked to name it. And how are you going to do that? Number one, count the longest chain. Number two, put the carbon with the alcohol group at the lowest number. And number three, name the position of the side chain. This goes as a prefix, so before the name. So, for example, a name that works is 4-methylhexanolol. A name that does not work is 2-methylhexan-6-ol. Okay? So in the exam, you might be asked something like, what defines the name stem when naming compounds? And the answer is the longest sequence of carbon atoms. You might also be asked, what functional group is contained in propanal? Propanal. Aldehyde. So, carbon rings. For molecules that contain rings, you want to add a cyclo to the start of the name. So, for example, cyclohexane, cyclohexanol, cyclohexanone. The next thing you need to know is empirical formulae. So, an empirical formula is the simplest whole number ratio of atoms in a molecule. So, for example, ethane, we know as C2H6. The empirical formula of ethane is CH3, so you can imagine there being two CH3s in an ethane molecule. And similarly, benzene, C6H6, the empirical formula of benzene is CH, so you can say there's like six CHs in C6H6, okay? Another formula you need to know, type of formula, is the molecular formula, okay? So this gives the number of each type of atom in a molecule. So earlier we said C2H6 is the molecular formula of ethane because there are two carbon atoms and six hydrogen atoms in the molecule. Another type of, of formula you need to know is the structural formula and it's a written one-line formula showing which groups are connected to which. So ethane, again, we have CH3CH3, okay? That's the structural formula. Butane, the structural formula is given as CH3, CH2, CH2, CH3. Another formula you need to know is the skeletal formula, and that's the simplified displayed formula. Hydrogen atoms are not shown, carbon atoms are at the corners of any lines, okay? So it's a diagrammatic formula. Skeletal formula shows the skeleton of the molecule, okay? So that's how you can remember it. It's the skeleton of the molecule, okay? So, just to reiterate, the simplest whole number ratio of atoms in a molecule is the empirical formula. The number of each type of atom in a molecule is the molecular formula. A one-line formula showing which groups are connected to which is called the structural formula. A diagram which shows every bond in a molecule is the displayed formula. And a simplified displayed formula with no hydrogen atoms is the skeletal formula. And that is 
everything you need to know about naming compounds for your paper three exam, okay? Finally, I'm gonna take you through alcohols, okay? So first things first, we need to know the difference between the primary, secondary, and tertiary alcohols, okay? So a primary alcohol is one which has one carbon bonded to the carbon bonded to the functional group. A secondary alcohol is one which has two carbons bonded to the carbon bonded to the functional group. A tertiary alcohol is one which has, you guessed it, three carbons bonded to the carbon bonded to the functional group. Okay? Another thing you need to know is the industrial production of alcohol, how that works and how that happens. So, first of all, alcohols are produced industrially by hydration of alkenes in the presence of an acid catalyst. Now, remember, hydration simply means adding water. Okay? The most common catalyst in this process is a phosphoric 5 acid. It's done at 300 degrees C and 60 atmospheres pressure. The mechanism is via an electrophilic addition. Okay? So you might be given an, a diagram of a mechanism and asked to describe how this mechanism happens. Okay? So the, first of all, the acid catalyst acts first to add to the alkene. The lone pair on the oxygen then attacks the carbocation intermediate. Finally, a proton is lost to give an alcohol and to reform the acid cat catalyst. Okay, so quick question for you. What type of alcohol has two carbons bonded to the carbon bonded to the functional group? It's secondary. Okay, another thing you might need to describe is the manufacture of ethanol by fermentation. Okay, so it makes alcohol that is drinkable but it can also be used for making biofuels, okay? So fermentation uses yeast to turn glucose into ethanol. And this, the reaction for this is C6H12O6 plus yeast and at a temperature of 40 degrees C goes to 2C2H6O plus 2CO2. Ethanol is then separated by distillation and overall the process is quite cheap, but the distillation adds an extra cost, okay? So, what are the advantages of biofuels over petrol? Well, biofuels are greener than petrol, okay? What do we mean by greener? Well, they're renewable. We can just grow more plants if we run out. So they're more sustainable than finding fossil fuels out of the ground, okay? Another thing, they're carbon neutral. Kinda, okay? So they release CO2 when they burn, right? But they absorb it when they grow. And these kind of cancel each other out. So, you might be asked, which of the following is a tertiary alcohol? Okay, we have ethanol, propan-2-ol, 2-methylpropan-2-ol, pentan-3-ol. The answer is 2-methylpropan-2-ol. So now we're going to discuss what the problems are with biofuels, okay? Nothing's perfect, right? So switching to biofuels is problematic partly because car engines just aren't built to run on ethanol. Land that's growing biofuel isn't producing food, so that could lead to food shortages. And you need fossil fuels to make the crop fertilizers, to harvest crops, and to transport the biofuel. Now, all of these processes make CO2, so it's not actually completely carbon neutral. So, next thing you need to know is what happens when you oxidize a secondary alcohol. Well, the molecule you get is called a ketone. 
Ketones have a carbon double bonded to an oxygen atom and two other single carbon carbon bonds. Next, what happens when you oxi oxidize a primary alcohol? Well, two possible oxidation reactions for primary alcohols. Number one, they can be oxidized to aldehydes. So to make an aldehyde, you carry out the reaction under distillation. This condenses any reacted aldehyde, which forms a gas, into a new flask. Number two, you can also oxidize them to carboxylic acids. You carry out the reaction under reflux using a reflux condenser, and this puts the aldehyde back in the flask to be oxidized again. Now, tertiary alcohols. You can't oxidize a tertiary alcohol at all, okay? Tertiary alcohols have three carbon groups bonded to the car alcohol carbon, remember? So the only way to add more oxygen involves breaking the carbon-carbon bonds. So we have two tests that you need to know and be able to describe the results of. Failings test and Tollings test. Let's start with Failings test, okay? So Failings test is using Failings solution, which contains Cu2+, and is deep blue, okay? When you add an aldehyde, the Cu2 plus oxidizes the aldehyde and it's reduced to Cu plus. This causes a color change from deep blue to brick red. Okay? With a ketone, you get no color change because it can't be oxidized. So in the exam, you might be asked, despite the fact that when biofuels are burnt, they release CO2, we say they are carbon neutral. Why is this? Because they absorb CO2 when they grow. So, test number two, Tollings test. Tollings reagent contains the diamine silver 1 plus ion, which is given by the formula square brackets, AG, curly brackets, NH3, close brackets 2, close square brackets, plus, because it's a plus 1 ion, okay? Now, you need to know that this is a clear solution. Now, this reagent also oxidizes an aldehyde, but it will do nothing to a ketone. And when it oxidizes that aldehyde, it's reduced to a solid silver and said to form a silver mirror on the surface of the test tube. So it's quite pretty. So you need to be able to describe a dehydration reaction when an alkene is produced from an alcohol. So, number one, the catalyst protonates the minus OH group to make it easier to eliminate the group. The acid catalyst is reformed when the H plus is lost as the positively charged alkane collapses to form the alkene in the final step. So, you might need to describe, the, what's, you need to, might need to be given the name of the ketone, CH3, CH2, CO, CH2, CH2, CH3. And how are we going to find the name of that? Well, number one, we first determine the longest alkane. We count six carbons. So the start of its name will be hex, six hex, like a hexagon. Then we determine the carbon that the ketone group is on. So we count the carbons until the ketone group, and it's on the third carbon, so it's hexan 3. And we know the functional group is a ketone, so we add the ketone ending, which conveniently is own. So we have hexan 3 own. Right, last question. We got this. What solution turns bright red in the presence of an aldehyde? Failing solution! And that is everything you need to know about alcohols. So I hope you're all feeling prepared for your exam tomorrow. We just have one more thing to go through, which is the stress buster. And today, it's the Flamingo Guide to Reducing Exam Stress, okay? So like a flamingo, you've got to set yourself free and get out and about. You've got to enter the exam hall with your squad because we know there's safety in numbers. Don't let anyone push you around. Remember, you're fabulous and you're going to smash it. Good luck.
Good luck for your exams. We're going to be releasing night before podcasts before every exam. And if you head on over to YouTube on every weekday, we are going to be doing live streams at 4.45 and 5.30. So make sure you subscribe. And while you're at it, rate us five stars. We're amazing. (laughs) Good luck.